Hey, everyone. Thanks, as usual, for listening to our show. As usual, check out our Twitter, at Midcourt Madness, and check out our website if you feel like doing some good reading, midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, we are kicking off. Get it, Biggs? It's like NFL season today. Get it? Uh. Yeah. Anyways, we are kicking off conference preview season with the forgotten conferences. These are the ones who no one hears about. You know, unless if you're really one of the fan, a fan of one of those teams that come out of those conferences. But come tournament time, these teams provide some of the best upsets out there. So we're going to identify some of the teams and players who you should be looking out for, who you've never heard of before, right after this. All right, Biggs, first thing we have to say is like we're finally here where we get to have actual stuff to talk about rather than just looking for stuff as, as we're in the middle of the show. How does that oh, feel? It feels, it feels amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. There's going to be snow on the ground soon. There's going to be cold weather. I, I can't mean, wait. I know. I love it. Um, we're going to be subjected to be indoors all winter very soon, and I love it. <laughs> no more pressure to go outside and deal with humidity. Right, Yes. And so, you know, we are kicking off the conference preview season with all of the one-bid conferences, and we'll get into that very shortly. Um, there are some newsy items out there. Um, first off, Namari Burnett, who is a guy who I think was I think he was a recruit two years ago, um, comes out of high school, goes to Texas Tech last year, couldn't really find his footing. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, was he a mid-season transfer? Yeah, yeah, he bailed after like like maybe ten games with Texas Tech. I mean, Normari Burnett was a top. He was a McDonald's All American the previous right, season. Yeah. So this was a big deal that Texas Tech was was hauling in a kid with that kind of recruiting pedigree. Um, didn't last very long, but I think a lot of folks had kind of connected dots and thought, okay, maybe it just he didn't he just didn't fit quite well in in for whatever reason. But uh, you know, generally the talent is going to find its footing and rise. Um, and so he was a popular kind of breakout pick. You go to Alabama where you're playing this up and down kind of free flowing style. And, and Ramari Burdett was probably in a position to really excel on a team that was going to be loaded. Now he's not. And now we won't get to see him for at least another year. Yes. Yeah. Like Big says, he transfers to Alabama. Um, and, you know, there's, there's such a talented team. Um, they have so many guards. I think they'll be fine. Um, not to take away from the real story here, which is that he tore his ACL. Um, you never like to see that, um, especially with such a talented player who didn't have that great of a year a year ago. Um, but obviously he won't be playing this year, but I still think Alabama is still going to be a great team. Yeah, I mean, as as talented as I just said, Namari Burnett probably is, and people probably think he can be. I, this doesn't really change much for me when it comes to projecting Alabama. I still think they're going to be one of the better teams in the SEC. They've still got like their backcourt is just absolutely stacked up with with Jaden Shackelford and and, and Javon Quinterly. JD Davison is a highly rated recruit coming in, um, and they've got they've got guys in the front court. Their depth is obviously, you know, hit a little bit here now. I think they've only got eleven scholarship players, but. Yeah, they've still got the high-end talent to do everything that I think I thought they could do a week ago. Yeah. And 
not to call say you're wrong or anything, but eleven scholarship players still is it's a decent amount. That's that's plenty. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that is plenty. Yeah. Um so I don't think it's too few or anything, but yeah, would it would have been nice if they had him, but I still think they'll be fine. Um Mark too few. few. You good, nice good transition segue. there. Yeah, I, I didn't realize I was doing it. <laughs> Mark Few had a few too many beers the other night, and then decided to drive home. Do you want to talk about what happened after that? I guess. Yeah, I got a got a DUI, so that sucks. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how much we really need to talk about this. I don't think he needs to be burned at the stake or anything. And to my knowledge, I haven't seen anyone like like anytime something like this happens, there's always one person who's like calling for someone's head to be cut off or something. It's like, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think he needs to lose his job or anything, but yeah, I think this is just a matter of like how hard you, how hard you look for someone that wants him losing his job. Because I'm sure if you go on Twitter, like Twitter is Twitter is a, is a, is a horrible and beautiful and hilarious place because truly you just, you search mark view, you can find whatever narrative you want. If I want to go there and find people and I want to say people want this guy fired, I can find random faceless Twitter eggs that want Mark Few fired. Isn't and if great? I want to go and say somehow people think what Mark Few did was acceptable, I can find that on Twitter too. Someone <laughs> somewhere probably said it's fine, it's whatever. Don't drink and drive, you might spill your beer. Someone probably said that about Mark Few. Twitter is this incredible place where I can find whatever whatever straw man argument I want to make, and I can use Twitter as as my as my sample evidence to back up to back it up. So, but I'm with you. I, I haven't heard any sort of media outcry on this. I mean, I think the strongest take I heard was when Matt Norlander said, "I mean, he should probably just be suspended." I mean, one of his players gets in this situation, there's going to be a suspension for it, and. Um, I buy that absolutely. So, mm-hmm. I think the to 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 whom much is to whom much is given, much is uh, expected. You know, and I, I think it'd probably be really smart to probably suspend him for at least a couple games. I don't know who Gonzaga plays early in the year, but boy, that, that would be quite a message if you could suspend him for like maybe suspend him for the Duke game and be like, "See, Duke, this is actually what we do when <laughs> when we're when we're punishing people." <laughs> But, do, do like but an indefinite kind of the new Duke, so I don't know. Do an indefinite suspension and be like, "Yep, this is what an indefinite suspension actually looks like." Yeah, two games. <laughs> and, and plus, like, actually, Gonzaga's toughest part of schedule is usually early on in the year. Yeah, exactly. That's why it would. I mean, it would hit hard. That, that, yeah, if they wanted to say, "Hey, we'll we'll wait and we'll suspend him for when we're playing uh, when we're playing Pepperdine and uh, Loyola Marymount on a on a Tuesday Saturday." Do, do it early in the year and send a message. I, I don't know. I don't. We we've talked way too much about this. There's not really much to say. You got a DUI that sucks. Uh, you know. Yeah. Hopefully it, it it won't linger. You know, this will be one of those things. We'll find something new to be outraged about next week. Yeah. Uh let's see, Biggs. Let's get into the Big Twelve expansion. You know, I think the last time we spoke about this, we sort of. I think we almost thought the AAC was going to be the the conference plucking teams away from someone and taking advantage of this whole Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. But it's actually the AAC being the losers in this because they just lost. We're all four teams expanding from the AAC. Yeah. What's that meme where it, where it shows the kid and he's like, I'll be honest. I thought they had us there in the, in the first half or whatever. And then he's like, and then we turned it around entirely. There's some sort of yep. meme about that. I feel like somewhere <laughs> that's, that's like the big. That's like the Big Twelve here, where they're like, "Yeah, you know, things weren't looking good." Um, 
I mean, this in, this entire the the way it's the way it's working out now is, I mean, in retrospect, it's like of course that was what a lot of people kind of thought that probably should happen. Um, I don't remember who was quoted. I think it was the Big Twelve commissioner though was quoted saying like, you know, the AAC schools are going to be coming after us. So it never really made sense if you're a Big Twelve program and you want to maintain your Power Five status for for football. That's where all these decisions are being driven through anyway, is football. But they want to go up, not down. Big 12 wants to contend and become one of these super conferences. And there's probably no way they do that by getting the the insane levels of like, you're not, you're not, you're not bringing Alabama into the Big 12, right? Or you're probably not bringing USC or something into the Big 12. Their, their chance is probably to say, hey, we just, we need to throw as many, as many, uh, as much shit against the wall and see what sticks. We need to have strength in numbers. Uh, yep. Hey, so who who knew the Big Twelve? Now they're finally back to twelve teams, and I know it's it's based on it's based on a lot of because of football, and they're getting some programs that have been been really good recently. Yeah. But I, I think the basketball, I think it's the same the same sentiment here in that Houston can walk into the Big Twelve, and I mean over the last couple of years they'd be just as good as anybody in that league. Yeah. And, yeah, let's uh, just talk about who these teams are. You know, you talk about these good football schools. Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston all fit that bill. Um, And those are three of the teams, uh, all three from the American Athletic. And the other team is BYU, who comes over from Mountain West? West They were in the WCC. They've bounced around a lot, though. BYU used to be, I think, independent within, like, the last 10 years. And then they were in the Mountain West for a couple years. And they jump. They've been just kind of nomadic in nature. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like we talked about before, like football is really what drives these these things. They get three good football programs. UCF. I don't know if this is still a thing, but there's like two years in a row where like they're like undefeated for the entire season. They're trying to complain about how they weren't in the college football playoff. That was UCF, right? That was UCF. Yeah, and they've yes. they've dipped a little bit as their head coaches continue to get poached by other programs, but. They're still they're still one of the powerhouses when it comes to like when in college football you know the discourse is always about your your power five teams and then your your group of five teams and and that group of five is kind of like college basketball's version of like mid majors they're always right at the top of that list I mean Cincinnati last year was the top of that list playing in a New Year's six game and and yeah but UCF has kind of been the flag bearer one of the one of the top three or four power power five no group of five teams and I think especially big 12 kind of getting into that Florida getting into that Florida area can probably help with recruiting I'm sure there's something there's something built in there where it's like hey now we we tap into a Florida market that's going to help our that's just going to help our that's just going to help our footprint in general so that makes sense and then and then yeah you get BYU which is a successful athletic program and they've had good football They've had good basketball too, but also that there's like a certain percentage, of like five percent of the country, I think I sort of stat is Mormon. So, you know, now you've got maybe a built-in like a good following. You know, BYU's got a strong following, and um, you're starting to expand west a little bit. So, yeah, that that one made sense. I'm intrigued by this one because isn't there a doesn't BYU have like a school law that they can't play on they can't uh, have Sundays. sports on Sundays? And it it gets mentioned every year they're in the tournament for like scheduling yeah. stuff and it, yeah, and I think they're 
there's been a couple times where the way they schedule it, it's like if they do win their first round, they would have played on Sunday. I can't, oh, really? I, I don't know if they like go back and change it or something. They pretty much have to. Um, but, yeah, that is a thing. They don't play games on Sundays. Um, but, yeah, so for the Big 12, like you said, they'll be back to 12 teams. I think, so, yeah, there were 10, 10 minus 2 plus 4 is 12. So, there you go. Perfect. They, well, so there the will actually be. Makes sense now. The conference number actually matches. Yeah, maybe the Big Ten should take notes. ACC should take – oh, wait, no. The ACC right, is no. Pac-12 should take notes. Pac-12 should definitely take notes. Just in general, the Pac-12 should always be taking notes. It's, Except it's they had of, a big win yesterday in football. Yeah, they did. Great yeah. day for the Pac-12. But um, actually the Big 12 won't be at 12 for a long time most likely because – if Oklahoma and Texas are not going to get out of their deals, they're slated to be in the Big 12 for another, what, five years? Oh. If they're adding these teams in the next in the next couple of years, there will actually yeah. be a stretch there where there's 14 teams in the Big 12. Uh, change the name, Big 14. Yeah, and now, and now all, the, all the rumors in terms of the, the prevailing belief now is that they won't stay at that, that number 12 for very long. And I, I've heard... The big, the big, it sounds like um, they'll extend more invitations here. Like they're, they're on the hunt, basically. They really? want to continue adding and expanding. Uh, and the two next, and the two next teams in line, it sounds like are, are with Boise State and Memphis. Interesting. Yeah. It's all, I think Memphis was sort of the forgotten team, this whole thing. It's almost like, you know, I talk about memes, the Dave Chappelle, uh, do you got any more? Yeah, you got any more of those major teams? <laughs> you got any more of those teams we can expand with? <laughs> <laughs> well, Memphis, I mean, I don't know about you. When I saw the teams that got that got invitations, my my first kind of thought, it's it's the same thing when the tournament comes out. It's like, who didn't make it? My my first kind of thought was, God, where's Memphis? I mean, you know, their, their football team isn't isn't particularly good, so I guess that's – that's part of it, but boy, just it's hard not to think about the Memphis basketball program. And I mean, they're they're basically getting ditched again. I mean, when when Calipari was at Memphis, they were like just the they were like the Gonzaga of Conference USA, and they would just crush everyone. And that was kind of the thing was, well, Memphis doesn't play anybody either because they're playing in Conference USA, so it's really hard for them to to get this way. And now it's going to be kind of that. It could be potentially that same way, assuming assuming they can kind of wake up the echoes and become what everyone thinks they can become, and, and they're on their way this year with this kind of recruiting class. Can you imagine if Memphis is in the Big 12 just this year? I mean, think about the matchup. You get Memphis played against Kansas. You get Memphis against Baylor. You get Memphis. All these matchups would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, one more thing I heard about um, on Memphis. I Did I hear that? Because there was rumors with um, Imani Bates because he, he has to be out of high school for two years. He has to be in college for two years. Correct. The, the official plan is to play one year of college and one year of G League, I think I heard. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I guess I don't even know. Like, who knows what he, – he was officially committed to Michigan State for a, for a little while. So, True. you know, these kids, they make decisions. They've got handlers who, who make decisions, and there's so many different options that it's like, you know, we're, we're just living one day at a time. And that's basically, like, what, what their plan is. Like, yeah, we're just – we're just living one day at a time, and it's odd because I don't know. These guys all want to get to the NBA, and it's like, do you just 
do you ever actually want to be more in one place more than more than one season or you just want to live your life constantly like not knowing where you're gonna be it's it's weird yeah. to me but hey uh, more power to them yeah all right let's get into some of these uh one bid teams and one bid team players um let's see I know you texted me with a bunch of ones that you researched yesterday which one do you want to start off with first yeah so I think I think with the way we can we can we can attack this is you know let's let's just be a hundred percent honest I don't know everything about every one bid conference every mid-major conference you know if you if you want like the deep dive on all of these conferences you know Three man weaves where where you want to go. Like yeah. those guys, those guys crush it when it comes to the mid majors. Um, but then we are better when it comes to everything actually, else. I, I got I got nothing. Oh, oh, everything else. Okay, go ahead. I didn't mean that. That was a bit. <laughs> um, no, but but I think the way I attack it is I'm always looking for teams from these one bid leagues that that I think hey. This team, this team really piques my interest and could have a chance. I think at at maybe pulling off a tournament upset, or, or at least when you get to the tournament, you're thinking this team could be fun to watch. And, and we don't have opportunities a lot of the times to watch these teams, so you've got to really take advantage if you do want to see them early in the season in like the non-conference. Um, but there's a handful that I think when they're on, you know, our CBS Sports Network will get a lot of Conference USA games. But but when they're on, it's like, hey, this team might be worth watching, and I think might be worth paying attention to. So. Uh, I mean, we're not going to, you know, when we get into some of the other conferences like the Big 12 and ACC and and even some of like the ones like the Mountain West and the WCC, we'll be able to give a more comprehensive breakdown. Here, I think we're going to kind of cherry pick some of the top level teams yep. that we anticipate um, that will be at the forefront of, of their conferences. So um, I guess the one that I wanted to start with, I think the top mid-major team in the country uh, at least in my opinion, heading into the year is has got to be Belmont, Belmont uh, in the Ohio Valley. Uh, Belmont was was towards the end of the season. They started picking up steam. I think they had maybe one loss with with, with like a week or so to go late in the year. Um, they play this beautiful kind of open uh, pass and cut, read and react kind of Princeton style offense. They return everybody from that team and. They lost to Moorhead State in the Ohio Valley Conference Championship game from, by, from by right quite across a, the North Dakota border. Right across, right across the border. Yeah, they they got crushed, but I I think Belmont's got a chance to be. They're they're a team that when rankings will be coming out here when whenever they come out in the next month or whatever, I wouldn't be shocked if they're if they're either ranked in like that twenty one to twenty five range or or very high in the others receiving votes category. I think they do have some respect. I expect Belmont to be really, really good. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, after yesterday you texted me um, teams you want to talk about today, so I did a little research on all those teams, and I'll just piggyback on what you said. Everything I know about these teams that we're about to talk about is research I did yesterday. Um, But one thing that jumped out to me with this Belmont team, they returned five – you know, you said they returned everyone. They returned five double-digit scores from a year ago. Um, Nick Musinski, uh, Luke Smith, Jacoby Wood, Grayson Murphy, and Ben Shepard. They also Grayson Murphy also averages eight rebounds and almost six assists per game. I have no idea who this is. I if you show me a picture of him, I'd, I'd have no idea. But it looks like he does a lot for this team. 
Yeah, he's he's kind of the engine, right? He's he's like the do it all, super do it all point guard. He's kind of a triple double threat type guy. He's been, he's a four year starter. He's a senior point guard who, yeah, he, he can score a little bit, but like his his specialty really is 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 facilitating, getting guys involved. Uh, Mazinski is um, he's a rare breed. I mean, he's six eleven, really talented big guy who's who's another four year starter. He actually got dinged up late in the year last year, and he just was not the same player. And I think that's where. And, and you saw Belmont take a really kind of steep dive, where they took I think maybe one or two losses in the regular season down the stretch, and then they just were they they just did not look great in their Ohio Valley Conference tournament. They struggled. They got to the championship game, but it was not an easy. I mean, early, during the year, basically all the way through the year, they steamrolled people. Uh, Mazinski gets hurt, and and they just weren't quite the same. Uh, Luke Smith is a transfer who who's a really top-level kind of sniper, perimeter shooter. Uh, and then I think Jacoby Wood is the guy to watch because he was he was a freshman last year. He was a pretty highly rated recruit coming out of high school. Uh, and if I remember right, had some decent offers. Uh, and he's got kind of the juice. Like he's, he's an athletic um, kind of attacking point guard. You just don't see the kind of players like him um, in the Ohio Valley usually. So... I think if he can take another step, I mean, Belmont's going to be really fun to watch. And, and there's going to be opportunities early in the year. Belmont is in a, uh, is it like the ESPN events invitational tournament early in the season? And in, in, in that tournament field, it's out, down in Orlando. I think at that field, you've got like Alabama, Kansas. Uh, there's a couple other mid-major teams that we're going to be talking about. The so field a bit, sleeper, a bit of a sleeper team in that tournament then. They could be, yeah. I mean, you could potentially see Belmont taking on like an Alabama or Kansas, and, and early in the year is kind of where you want to try to get some of those top level teams. But there, there will be opportunities where they'll actually be on TV. So I'm excited to see what Belmont looks like this year. Okay, and yeah, just looking at the Ohio Valley, it looks like again their main competition um, will be Morehead State, who is a team that basically knocked them off in the conference tournament. And they do return some good guys. Johnny Broom's sort of their do-it-all guy. Um, I, yeah. I do remember watching him in the tournament. He sort of faded off. They played West Virginia. He didn't have the greatest game against West Virginia. Um, Devon Cooper, Skylar Potter, a couple other names for them. So that's sort of their main competition. But all in all, it looks like Belmont is the more talented team, at least in that conference. Yeah, I, I would consider them probably the heavy favorite. But, you know, you can – and Murray State had a weird year last year, but they're always good. You can never really count them out. I wouldn't be surprised if Murray State's up there contending again this upcoming year. They've got Trevin Smith, who's one of the better kind of swingman type guys in that league, and they've always seemed to got dudes. So, yeah, and Moorhead State too. Johnny Broom is another kid who's like – too good for that league. I wouldn't be shocked if he's getting like either NBA looks by the end of this upcoming year or being one of those, one of those top level, like big, big, the big boys want to come poach him. away. I, I, I would be shocked if he's at Moorhead state for more than this upcoming year, because he's, he's a stud. All right. So yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to tee you up for this next one, Biggs. We talked extensively about one of our favorites team nicknames a year ago, the mean green from North Texas. Now, Ooh. They are in the Conference USA, and they do have some competition this year. And I don't, to my knowledge, they weren't really the best team. They were just seeing that happened when the conference tournament. We look at teams, Western Kentucky. Um, they have a lot of talent returning. I know you did a lot of research on them yesterday. You look at Louisiana Tech, Kenneth Lofton. He's like, did he sort of become like a viral sensation last year? 
Isn't that him? He's sort of the chubbier dude. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and he's like then, six nine, like two eighty. He's a monster. Yeah, he's huge. And then I also looked at UAB. They have a ton of returning talent. They have three double digit scorers returning from a year ago. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about that conference. Who do you think is the favorite in that conference? Yeah, with all the with all the transferring, I, I think the mid major talent pool is, is potentially really robust because there's you know we, we we tend to focus on all of the all of the mid major talent going out. But, but high major schools are losing guys all the time. So there's a lot of guys coming in too, right? If, 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 if people are, are going out, someone's got to be coming in. I, I, think, I think that creates an interesting um, vacuum where there's going to be like a lot of talent in some of these leagues. And I think Conference USA is the one where there are, there are a ton of really interesting teams. Um, yeah, North, North Texas obviously won it last year, and they were good last year. They're losing quite a bit, though, off of their team. Uh, Western Kentucky and, and UAB are the two, though, that I that I would be really intrigued by. Um, Western Kentucky has a couple of really, really high-level transfers coming in with Keith Williams, the Cincinnati guard, who was one of the best players in the American Athletic. Uh, he's, he's probably like a potential player of the year guy. In Conference USA, I mean, he's that good. He's he's big. He's strong. He he's like a fifteen to twenty point a game guy who can who can guard people. He's he's really high level. Uh, Jarius Hamilton is a kid who who played decent minutes a couple of years ago at like Boston College. Who's kind of a big, uh, you know, kind of stretchy four man. He played at Maryland last year and, and was like okay. I mean, you know, we we did la- like you know we've talked about before like. You know, if a guy averages this number in the mid-major level, if he transfers up, what 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 percentage of that? What does that turn into? It seventy percent rule. We talked about this. You have to, yeah, you, have to say that you have to keep saying it that that way it becomes okay. a thing. That helps. It's the seventy percent rule. Well, what's yes. the percent rule then if it's a if it's a low major guy or a, or a high major guy transferring down a level? Does it does it turn into like the hundred and fifty percent rule or is it the two hundred percent rule? That's we, definitely a much. I'd say like one thirty. The one hundred and thirty percent rule. Yeah, it's one hundred and thirty percent rule. Ten points. Okay, so if you average turns into thirteen. Yeah. Okay. That's I like that number. That was the exact yes. one that I thought of because I don't know what one hundred and thirty percent of like eight and a half is. But it's tough. Yeah, math, you know, and, and history <laughs> and science. But right. I think I think Western Kentucky's got some interesting talent. Now they're losing guys, obviously, so it's a lot more based on you're projecting some of these guys who have transferred down and transferred in. Um. But they've got they've got some intriguing talent on that roster. You you mentioned UAB has three double digit scores returning. They've also got I mean they're they are loaded in terms of bringing in transfers. UAB is bringing in I think three or four double digit score transfers alone. Are these up transfers or down transfers? Down transfers. Wow. Well, well, let's see. Point. They're bringing in a couple guys. They're bringing in KJ Buffin from Ole Miss, who's like a who's like a big, burly kind of rugged forward. I think he averaged like nine and seven at Ole Miss. I was just about to say, I'm looking at their stats. I see a bunch of guards. I don't see a forward or a center anywhere. Yeah, they don't have great size. They have yeah, Jamal so Johnson though, exactly who is an Auburn, who is an Auburn guy who can shoot it. Uh, they're bringing in Josh LeBlanc, who was an LSU and Georgetown transfer. So he's talk about nomadic man alive. Um, but he's kind of a he's like a big burly kind of physical big guy too, and and yeah they've got a ton of good guards. They're they're bringing Trey Lacour from South Alabama. I think he averaged like fourteen or eighteen points a game 
trying to remember. Look, let me look it up here. Yeah, he averaged thirteen and a half points a game and and like four assists almost at uh, at South Alabama. Now that that seems like a tra- you're transferring up probably if you're coming from South Alabama, but I think they've got they're going to have some depth on this team. You know, so while they might not have a ton of size, they they have I think great depth in their backcourt and. You know, mid major teams, there's just not a lot. I mean, what made Charles well, Massey think Western Kentucky? Let's think of this, Biggs. Whenever there's like a a low major team or mid major team upsetting a team in the um, NCAA tournaments, it's not because of a guy getting a ton of rebounds and dunking all over people. It's because someone gets wet from three point range. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the ultimate equalizer. So it's like yeah. it's it, we we no longer care about having like the size to match up it's it's do you have dynamic guards who can who can take over stretches of the game i think they've got a bunch of them so i think uab is going to be really interesting and, and andy kennedy is a is a pretty proven coach i mean he's he's had good runs like when he coached at like old miss and coached in the sec how quickly he can get some of these guys to all coalesce and like buy into roles that's that's probably going to be the biggest challenge you know when when, when everybody's transferring down they're probably all they're probably all thinking like 130% rule. Screw that. It's like the 500% rule. So I'm going to yep. go from like eight points a game to like 20. Is that 500%? That's not, no, not uh, even close. 40. That's about two, that's yeah. 250. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm doing college level uh, basketball player math there where they're not really understanding the percentages. But You're everybody probably down. thinks nice. like, yeah, I'm going to be the man now, right? And well, actually you might not because a bunch of guys think they're going to be the man. It's like AAU all over again. Yep. <laughs> Um, Biggs, let's talk about, you know, we're going to talk about, um, in my opinion, the main Cinderella from a year ago, Oral Roberts, and sort of Oral lead into that, lead into that conference. Um, Oral Roberts, obviously, um, they, did they, they advanced to Sweet 16, um, Max A. Smith was sort of their, you know, the little engine that could for them. Uh, yeah. and also the, the leading scorer from a year ago at 24 points per game in all of college basketball. Um, he had a good running mate, Kevin O'Banner, who he transferred to Texas Tech. You pr- you predicted that. You correctly yeah, predicted that. I, 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 I might correct, I might add. I correctly predicted that on one of our pods. Well done. Um, go, go back to it. Listen to it. It's on Spotify. Madness, doc, doc, just or just Madness? Yeah, whatever whatever plug you need to do here. Just do wherever that. you find our pods: Apple, exactly. Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and we talked about the last tournament where we're you know like. O'Banner and Acemas were doing, you know, probably eighty percent of their scoring, and if one of them had even a slight off night, they're going to lose. Um, now with O'Banner completely gone, and Max Acemas proving he he can just score at will, could he challenge thirty points per game this year? I was going to ask you, like, does twenty four points a game seem like a low number for leading the country? A little bit, you know. Like I, th- that- I think that is about what it usually is, but around twenty five. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, how shocked would you be? I mean, he's going to get probably 20 shots a game, 22 shots a game. He's going to be pumping up. His efficiency is probably going to go through the floor. He's going to yeah. be the only guy out there that can shoot. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there around 28, 30 points a game. I think, like, after him, if you looked at their stats, I think after him, like, and obviously a banner's gone. Um, as far <laughs> as returning players, their next leading score is like seven or eight. Um, so they don't have a lot returning. So yeah, like you said, they're going to rely on him a lot. And they are in a conference with 
in the summer league with two very good teams, in my opinion. Um, you look at NDSU, um, who returns um, Tyree Eady, Sam Grissel, and Rocky Cruiser. Rocky Cruiser almost came back in that conference title game a year ago. They're down, I want to say, about 20 points per game at halftime. Points per game. Almost down 20 points at halftime. And I think they came back. I think they tied it with a couple minutes left to go just to have Oral Roberts um, sort of win the game at the end. Um, but Rocky Cruiser is a guy who sort of put the team on his back a year ago. Um, but I think the favorite in this conference is the actual the team who actually won the regular season a year ago, which is South Dakota State. Um, they return Douglas Wilson, Noah Friedel, and Bailey Shireman. All three of those guys had 15-plus points per game from a year ago. So they return all those guys, and they have a talented roster. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's always like if you, if you want to look at the Summit League, generally it's going to be South Dakota State and North Dakota State. It seems like those two outside of last year when it was Oral Bob, it seems like those two teams always are the ones coming out of the Summit and getting to the tournament. seems like those two are always kind of contending. Uh, just their style of play, it seems like, must be just conducive to winning late in the year because I know North Dakota State is – one of the few in that league that that really played defense at a high level. They they don't always, uh, they're not exactly winning you over with with beautiful basketball offensively. But, well, but have they you have seen how they run their offense? They do. Their offense is like literally like the three man weave at the top of the key. That's yep. what they do, and it's I it's hate watching that. Yeah, they're it's the only division. They're the closest division one team I can go and watch, and I will not watch them. It's but they're North, but they're North Dakota tough, John. So that's true. Except none of their players are from North Dakota. That's true. They're all like Minnesota and Wisconsin, and yes, <laughs> whatever. Well, they've got a couple North Dakota guys. I think Grant Nelson's got a chance to be a pretty good player for them. He he had a decent freshman year, and and he's he's intriguing, but he might be even more long term. Like he'll probably be a role guy for them this year. But I think he's got a chance to be good. Um, but you're right. It, it's really about Rocky Cruiser. I mean, Rocky Cruiser's a stud. He's he's really good and and taking advantage of kind of that extra year of eligibility, which is which is something we could probably talk on in a later pod still if we need to fill some more stuff. Some of these some of these small schools are going to be benefiting in a huge way from from guys opting into that fifth year, taking advantage of that extra the COVID eligibility. Uh, you know, Cruiser would have been a senior last year and graduated. Now he's a super senior and he's probably one of the front runners for Player of the Year in the league. I mean, Aismas is probably the heavy favorite, but Cruiser would be an all like a first team all Summit League guy. He's one of the best bigs in the in the conference. I mean, he's a really really good player. Uh, you know, that's that's a great starting point. Yep. I would all say right. South Dakota State though is you're right. They're they're probably the the favorite. And and what's amazing is that South Dakota State had had had, had kind of gotten wrecked by injuries last year too with. With Dougie Wilson, didn't he miss a bunch of time for them? I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, too. See, he played, I, I would say, a ton of time. It looks like the 23 games. He played 19 of them. Okay. So he played 19. So, yeah. How many did Friedel play? Because I know Friedel. Didn't uh, Friedel he played four, 14. Yeah, 14 see, and I, I think he stepped away from the team, like, halfway through the year. He, he like, opted really? out of the season. or He had some – I think he had some, maybe some mental illness stuff, like some, some wellness – kind of thing going on there. So, I mean, if he is back, I think, I think Noah Friedel is, I mean, I think, I think if there is a player, if Acemas isn't going to win summit league player of the year, and, and I assume he will, cause he's going to put up a ton of points. I think Noah Friedel might be the guy that, that does. I think he's that good. Wow. Okay. I like it. 
Um, let's see. Do you want to toss it over to the uh, Missouri Valley? Yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, we're, we're talking about these one-bid leagues, and you know, Missouri Valley might be this year at least. Unfortunately, they're not going to probably get more. They got two last year. I think, you know, in an odd world where if mid-major teams actually got some respect, there's probably four tournament-quality teams in this league. I'd, I'd be shocked if anything more than two or three got in. But it's going to be really fun to watch if there's ever games on you know, with, with Missouri Valley teams because there's there's some serious talent in this league coming back. Okay. Well, I'm going to lead off with a question. I know Loyola Chicago is sort of the another one of the tournament darlings from a year ago, and specifically Cameron Crutwig. Well, he's gone. Um, also, Porter Moser – their coach um, gone to Oklahoma. Why should I be excited for this team? I don't see any returning double-digit scorers. I think the next ret- leading scorer is like eight or seven. Why should I be excited for this team? That's a great question. I think if you watch Loyola Chicago play, you you notice that offensively they are all about. They're kind of all about that that spread motion. It's it's super uh, equal opportunity. Guys are are getting the ball and. Yeah, you're right. There isn't any one kind of bucket getter, right? At the end of the shot clock, go get us a bucket. But isn't that that's exactly what we said in the tournament? Well, they're going to have this issue because they don't have that guard who can go go get them a bucket when they need one. But and who's yes, the guard just, who's going to pass? I mean, technically, Krautwig isn't a guard, but he was the one doing all the distributing a year ago. He did a decent amount of it. That's true. But I think if you if you look, they've got a number of guys. They've got strength in numbers, and I guess that's what I I lean on, and I think that they can lean into. They won't have Cam Crutwick, who was who's kind of the fulcrum of their offense. I think they can readjust though and, and redistribute between five to seven different guys that are all going to be back, and everybody kind of takes a, a little step forward, or or one or two of those guys take a small step forward, and I think you've got you've got some pieces. They've got a ton of experience coming back based on. Ryan Ryan Williamson was um, he was one of the starters on the Final Four team like four years ago, opting into a fifth year. They've got multiple starters coming back besides Crutwig. They've got some athletes who I think have have a chance to really take a step forward. Um, I do think there's strength in numbers with that team. Even if you're right, their leading scorer it might be kind of Florida Statey, where their leading scorer averages like eleven. And then their seventh leading scorer averages like seven and a half. You know, they just have a bunch of guys all kind of mapped out right in, right clustered right in the same kind of area. Uh, but I, th- I think really the, the reason I'm excited, that is part of it with, with so many guys coming back, not including Karawig. But, but apparently Drew Valentine, there's, there's a lot of hype around him as kind of this young coaching kind of star in the profession. And, and, and if it goes the way a lot of people think it's going to with him, I don't know how long he's going to be at Loyola Chicago. So I think there's a chance he's a really good coach. And, and he was kind of the architect of that Loyola Chicago defense. That was a defense that was ranked in the top 10, you know, with Ken Palm all season. Their, their defense was amazing. He's the guy who designed that. And now part of that, you can probably come back and say, well, without Crutwig, what is that? That's That remains to be seen, you know, that, and that's why they're probably not the favorite in the league. But I think they're really good. I think they will be good. Yeah, and I'm excited to see how Drew Valentine does. Like this guy is, he's younger than you and I. But I believe he's 29 still, and I believe he's probably the youngest coach in college basketball. Nope, don't like that. Oh, don't I, like I, I that. Thought, you're shaking your head. I thought you're like, no, John, you're you're completely wrong. Um, and is actually the brother of Denzel Valentine. And you could you could honestly convince me that those two are twins, um, and maybe they are. I have no idea. 
Um, but another team in this Missouri Valley, the one, another team I'm probably a little more excited about is Drake. Uh, you know, Joseph Yesipu, he's gone to Kansas. Um, but they do return Shanquan Hempful, uh, Roman Penn, Ramel Murphy, and DJ Wilkins. All double-digit scores from a year ago. Um, Roman Penn also chipped in with about five and a half assists per game. So they have a lot of talent returning, and they have, you know, the the country's bandwagon fan. Like, he's he's ready to jump on the bandwagon in, in um, Degrassi star Drake. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, why doesn't Drake jump on that? Like, he could basically, like, <laughs> don't you think Drake, I mean, I don't know. I, breaking, I don't know Drake personally. But but I would assume he looks like the type of guy who would love to wear a shirt that says Drake on it. I should I should clip off that ten seconds where you said I don't know Drake. Breaking news. Me and Drake aren't on speaking terms, you know. Like I, I, we don't text and talk more than most people know. But you know, he just strikes me as the dude who would love to to walk around with a shirt that says Drake on it. So like, Roxy's yeah, exactly. Drake swag, you know. Yeah. Why have I not seen him on the court at a Drake game? Like specifically on the court, like wanting to play, literally coaching, like behind the coach or something in the layup lines because he's done that before. I think it's with oh Kentucky. yeah, take take it, get some shots up. Yeah, it's, hey 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 uh, hey Tank Campbell, rebound for me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, with this Drake team, I mean, they were were they the last team that was undefeated last year? Didn't they start like eighteen or nineteen and zero? I think so. I know they started. I don't know if they were specifically last team, but they were. Getting close to twenty, you know. Yeah, they. I mean, they got destroyed last year in terms of injuries. Just hit them at the absolute wrong time with with Hempel missing the stretch run for them, and I mean, he was their best player. And then Roman Penn was was one of the best guards in the Missouri Valley. He got hurt late in the year too, so you're without two of your top guys, and that's where that Yesifu, Joseph Yesifu, really took a chance, and he, he really shined late in the season as kind of a, a bucket getter for them, but. Tremel Murphy and DJ Wilkins were both really, really good during the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Both those guys are double-figure scorers, and they're back. Uh, Darnell Brody is like an enormous big man, as you mentioned. I mean, he started for them. I mean, he's a big, big kid. And, and Garrett Sturtz is another guy. So you're bringing back six of your top seven guys on a team that was like, you know, 18 and 0 at one point. Uh, really, the the question that I, I think I'm intrigued more by this Drake team than anybody. They beefed up their non-conference. That was the big complaint last year. It was that they didn't really play anybody in the non-conference. They've uh, they've really beefed it up. They play Richmond, another team that we'll talk about later when we talk about the the A10. I think Richmond will be very good. They play Clemson, an ACC opponent. I, I don't know how good Clemson is, but but if you can if you can bag an ACC team, that's positive. They play St. Louis. They'll play Belmont in the ESPN Invitational that I mentioned earlier in in, uh, in Orlando. That could be a really, really fun, you know, under-the-radar kind of mid-major kind of Titan matchup there, Drake versus Belmont. That Ooh, sounds yeah. super college basketball-y right there. I'll Getting watch that. hyped for Belmont versus Drake. But uh, I think that could be a good game. And then, and then they could potentially play Alabama or Iona in the next round with the way the bracket's set up. So, you know, Drake could potentially have a really nice – kind of portfolio of, of non-conference inventory um, to really judge them off of. So I, I think that team's going to be excellent. All right. Yeah, and then so we talked about Drake. We talked about Little Chicago. Let's talk about Northern Iowa, who they might, in my in my opinion, be the favorites, just looking at their stats. They returned five double-digit scores from a year ago, including A.J. Green, who 
I'm going to preface this by saying this is a small sample size, but he averaged 22 points per game, but it was only in three games because he had to have hip surgery. Um, what do you know about Northern Iowa? I'm with you. I think they are going to be probably one of the favorites in the league. It, injuries just destroyed their season. I mean, A.J. Green is the best player in that league. He was a top 100 recruit coming out of high school, and he's been awesome his entire time there. I mean, he averaged 20 points a game as a sophomore. So I, I don't think 22-plus points a game is is unreasonable if he can actually stay healthy. Now, he's had two hip surgeries in his career, so that's that's rough. Um, but if he can stay healthy, I mean, he, he's probably the player of the year in the league. And that changes everything. I mean, they're 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 somewhat reliant on him, and maybe where his injury could be a beneficial thing for them this year is that they had to kind of figure out how to play without him and, and develop depth that probably wasn't ready to play, but now it's depth that that hopefully has some experience and, and can do some things. But they've got they've got really good players. You're right, coming back, and Antoine Kimmins is another guy who's who's not anywhere near the impact level that AJ Green is, but. Um, a really talented guard who can who can kind of give you some depth and play defense. He only played three games too, so they had a ton of injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if Green's back, he's probably the player that you're in the MVC. So you know, Trey Burrow is is a is a talented wing who opted into another year. Uh, Austin Fife is one of the better big guys in the league, uh, and, and Noah Carter is a good player too. So I'm with you. Northern Iowa, I think, has a chance. I mean, they were the best team in the in the conference two years ago with this collection of guys. This collection of guys now is just older and probably more injury prone because they're so old, but I think they'll be good. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm just sort of going down my list here. Um, another team that sort of became a darling last year ago and specifically had a player become a darling during the regular season is Ohio out of the Mid-America Conference, the MAC with 1A. And Ohio beats Virginia, the first team to ever beat a t- Defending champion who also lost to a 16 seed the year before as a one seed. Okay. So history being made by Ohio a year ago. Elite. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm not too excited about Ohio. They have, I mean, they were really run by Jason Preston, who is off to the NBA. Um, Toledo's another team. They won regular season, but they lose sort of their do it all guy in Marion Jackson. He goes to Arizona State. Um, they got Brian Rollins, is a key, key returner, key player returning. Um, but a, a team I am interested in here is Buffalo. Um, they were regular season runner-up a year ago. Um, here's a name for you, Jonathan. Jonathan Williams, averaging 17.6 per game points per game. Um, Josh Mabala, 15.3 points per game and 10 rebounds. And Ronaldo Sagu, that sounds more like a soccer name, to be honest. Yeah, really averaging, does. Averaging 13.3 per, points per game. So they're a team who is an interesting team to watch and what would probably be the favorite in the MAC. Um, granted, I did only look at three teams, and out of those three teams, they're my favorite. I, I like that you mentioned Buffalo because of Jonathan Williams. I remember him as a player that the Minnesota Gophers were recruiting a couple of years ago. Well, he's too good for them. Yeah, exactly. He's far too good. But yeah, talk the name Jonathan. Just how do you lose a bet? How that? How that go? How's that? How that happen? <laughs> Wait, so the parents would have had to lose the bet in this case. Yeah. <laughs> Not Jonathan. Poor Jonathan didn't lose the bet. Yeah. I mean, do you call him Gene? You know, like if your name's Jonathan, we call you John. Do we call is, him Gene? Because that actually kind of works. Gene's a nice he, name. Is he Genie? Genie? Ooh. See, now that uh, li- little, little Genie. 
Ooh, yeah, that stuff's <laughs> being that stuff's being cool when you're like ten. Yeah, <laughs> Gene. I don't know. I actually think you're. I think you're underselling Ohio. I actually think they are a lot more than Jason Preston. I tend to think Ohio is actually going to be pretty good. Okay. They bring back a decent chunk of their roster aside from Jason Preston, and they bring back Jason Carter, who's who's coming back. He started at Ohio, averaged like fifteen points and seven boards a couple years ago. Went to Xavier and and was like a was like a fringe kind of role guy for them. Didn't really go all that well. He's coming back. He kind of boomeranged back to their lead. He boomeranged back to Ohio. I think I think they're actually going to have some interesting talent. So I think Buffalo is probably the favorite, but I think I think Ohio is actually going to have a better team than, than than some folks might think. Okay. Um. Let's see. I know you mentioned uh, Iona yesterday. Obviously, a team coached by Rick Pitino. Um. How much of that? Because they obviously made the tournament out of the the MAC with two A's. Um. What is that? Mid America something. What is that the mid? Thing? Is it the Atlantic? Mid Atlantic. Is that it? Athletic Conference. Iona is. Oh, a- I think it's the Metro. The Metro Atlantic. Athletic of course, Conference. I I, I search Iona on like the where ESPN has a list of teams, and it's just the Mac. It doesn't even say Mac. <laughs> it is Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Look at us. We're so Super smart. Man. You're smart. I didn't do anything there. Um, how much of Iona's success a year ago was because of Rick Pitino? Do you think? Probably a ton. I mean, he's one of. I mean, he's legitimately. How many coaches? If you're just like starting a random team right now, you don't have to worry about rules or sanctions. You just you want a guy who's just going to come in there and grind X's and O's and like make your players better and like just coach a game. Rick Pitino's got to be towards. I mean, are there ten coaches better than Rick Pitino right now? Maybe. Is right Maybe. around there. Yeah, he's, he's up there. I mean, he's really yeah. good. So, I think. I mean, I think he's probably worth a huge amount of wins and especially late in the year when when teams are, are implementing new schemes and like different styles of of way they're going to play against other teams a high level coach can can take you a long way that's why coaches are in college basketball coaches are the stars right in the NBA it's players in college coaches are kind of the kind of the stars because players are changing so much I do think Rick Pitino gives Iona a massive bump I mean that there's just naturally it's going to be that way he also did bring in some good players I mean he got two transfers coming in from from the uh, from the American and Elijah Joyner and Tyson Jolly, who are double figure scorers at their prospective schools. Joyner's coming from Tulsa, who averaged over 13 points a game. And Jolly was like a 14 point a game guy at SMU two years ago. Last year, I think he had some injuries, wasn't as good. Um, but both these guys, I think, coming into the backcourt, I mean, you've got that's a that's a hell of a backcourt now all of a sudden. Quinn Slazinski uh, was like a was like that's, a rotation guy at Louisville. Yeah, I was gonna say he was Louisville. Which yep, okay, Com- coming full circle there. Yeah, absolutely. You, you gotta you gotta follow Patino still to Louisville. So, um, you know they've got three kind of high major transfers coming in, and and then they've got a couple pieces still back. So I think Iona, I don't know. I mean, you'll get to you'll get to see them. I mean, Iona's gonna be he, they're gonna be in that tournament and then that ESPN invitation in Orlando too, and then they're probably gonna be off the radar outside of if Rick Patino does something weird or says something funny. You know, we're probably not gonna pay much attention, but I wouldn't be surprised. They were they played Alabama tough in that fifteen two game, you know, in the tournament, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're like a fourteen seed that's got some juice, uh, six months from now. Sounds good. Uh, let's see, I've got one more team, and actually specifically a player I want to talk about. Um, but do you have anyone, anyone else you want to touch on? 
I think we've kind of covered the bases. The only other two teams that I'm intrigued by are, are out of the A-Sun. I mean, there's so many teams. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of mid-major teams that we probably don't hit. Again, three-man weave is where you want to go find. Like, they've, they've got, like, they've got a ton of stuff on all of these mid-majors. Those guys are so plugged into that stuff. They're, they're amazing. Well, let's, um, let me put it this way. If you're coming to us to find out any college basketball information, quality-wise, you should reevaluate your lives. But also keep listening to us. Yes, exactly. Reevaluate, but also come to the conclusion that we're good for you. Yeah, we're funny, cute, and adorable. But go on. Yes, but Liberty, Liberty, and Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky moving into the A Sun. They're going to be. They're going to be really good. They were coming over from the Ohio Valley. They're moving into the A Sun, and they've got some really good players coming back. Four double-digit scores, including two big guy transfers who are coming in, um, and then Braxton Beverly, your guy from NC State, transferring down. I think that I think Eastern Kentucky has a really good chance. They're picked to win the A Sun in the pre in the preseason, and then Liberty, who won the A Sun last year, brings back their leading scorer in Darius McGee, and then five other guys who played over twenty minutes a game. Um, I think those two teams could be intriguing late in the year. Okay, and That's yeah, all the, I last, got. the last uh, team slash player I was going to touch on. We talked and we talked about this guy before, um, but it's Desi Sills, who. You know, has been played three years at Arkansas, um, and actually two years ago he averaged uh, ten and a half points per game. You know, he's a very talented guard, um, and we talked about him during the offseason because he's the guy who was it, he transferred to Auburn. Um, so and then some other transfer goes there to Auburn, so he's like, you know what, I'm going to reevaluate and go back in the transfer portal, and he ends up at Arkansas State, a Sun Belt team, and yeah. um, so just given you know he's transferring pretty far down. Um, and you know, we talked about the 130% rule with how much he's transferring down. Maybe it's a 150% rule. You never know. So I don't know, maybe he's averaging 15 points per game for Arkansas state and their team who actually does return a few good guys. They've got Marcus Eaton, um, average 14 points per game and five assists per game a year ago. Um, I'm going to butcher this Norshad Omier, 12.6 points per game and 12.3 rebounds per game, like just a double digit or double digit, a double double machine, as well as Caleb Fields averaging 11 points per game. So the Red Wolves from Arkansas State will be a team to watch out for in the Sun Belt Conference. The Red Wolves, I'm intrigued by that. How freaky would that be to see a Red Wolf? Like, is it is it covered in blood? Like, what's why is it red? Is it just the eyes that are red? Oh, that would be intense. I'd be very scared of that. I, I, I yeah, I, I, that's a great, that's a great one to add. I think I'm wondering if Desi Seals doesn't have the 150 percent rule because he's coming to a team that's already got a bunch of guys that are that are pretty good. Is he going to have to? Is he going to come in and rock the boat and be the guy that it's like, hey, I get to do all the shooting now, or is he going to be a guy that that fits into a role and actually makes this team really, really intriguing? Mm-hmm. Um, they do have a ton of guys. Looking at their roster, they've got. They've got like four guys that are from the same high school as Desi Stills. 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 Well, so there's some chemistry there. There's some chemistry there. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's, you know, I know there was a story in their local local paper that it was kind of a a homecoming for him. So he must be from kind of that area. Yeah. And he played at Arkansas. So uh, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, like if, if he's, if he, if he plays a role and kind of just, if he integrates into their team. That's some interesting talent there. They they could be very competitive. Yeah. All right. Anything else we need to add to the show, Biggs? We're honestly we did very good on time here. 
I thought we did really well. Yeah, that was that was a great job by us. I think um, I'm satisfied with with our time management. Should, should we have a self reflection? Should we end every show with a little self reflection? Like this, is what we did good. This is what we did bad. Yeah, absolutely. I I would give our effort today. I would give it a rock solid A. To be honest with you, I I don't I don't see any sort of issue with what we did today. Um, okay. Our time management, I think, has been top notch. As a teacher, I'm learning that time management is one of the most complicated kind of tasks that it's so difficult. I have such a hard time knowing, like sometimes my lessons, I'm thinking, all right, here's what we're doing in class today. And I breeze through it in like 25 minutes. Well, I have a 45 minute class. Now what? You know, I got 20 minutes. Yeah. I, what do I do? You know, you just I, tell, tell them to do sit there and do your the homework and you can check on your fantasy football team. Yeah, you'll sit there and be quiet while I check my fantasy scores. Um, that's a great idea. Actually, I might do that tomorrow. But, or end every class the last twenty minutes. Be like, okay, we're going to listen to a portion of Midcourt Madness. Boom. Ooh, ooh. But I've, make I've them make them really listen. Cool pod. Make them listen on their phones so we get more listens that way. It's yes, just, I have. They have to download, like, and subscribe for extra credit. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll get out of here. Um, next week we are going to basically do the same thing, but with uh more of the high-level mid-majors. We have basically isolated the AAC, the A-10, the Mountain West, and the West Coast. So we're going to uh, we're gonna talk about those conferences, and then immediately after that, we'll get into the uh, Power Six conferences, which will basically lead us into the beginning of the season. Can't wait. All right, let's get out of here. Bye. Bye.